0: The file is for personal use to share with friends, family and colleagues, but please do not publish the material in any format or post it on a website without seeking permission from Labrie Fellowship. Please note that views expressed in the lecture and discussion time do not necessarily represent the views of Labrie Fellowship.
1: Cool. Okay, well, let me wait for Roscoe then, let me pause for a second. (laughs) I already started records so and I feel awkward. Um, <laughs> welcome to the second to last lecture of the fall term. Um, it's pretty wild. Next week, we have the last lecture um, by our very own Bin Kais. Um, I meant to have your title up here. I know it's about Tom Waits. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to...
0: Um, what's the yeah. building in there? The music of Tom Waits.
1: Cool.
2: That's all I got. Great. <laughs>
1: Um so before I start um I'm not the most eloquent public speaker um but I care a lot about this topic so bear with me and my nerves. Um this lecture is called Let Them See the Farm and Let Them See Faith Reflections on Christianity from those who work on and with the land. Um and this PowerPoint is mostly just um a bunch of pictures that I've taken during my time um in New Zealand um to kind of ground you um and place you within this uh within this uh topic that we're going to be talking about today this picture in 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 particular um it's probably my favorite picture that I've ever taken um it was on one of the farms that I stayed at multiple times um and it's what I think heaven would look like um or yeah I don't I don't know it's just really lovely um, so I, I think a lot about rural spaces and, um, and particularly farmers within these spaces. These thoughts were first planted in me through my familial upbringing in the in the Appalachian Mountains of, um, of Western North Carolina, spurred on through my, through my interactions with, with farmers in the, in the various butcher shops that I have worked at um, and have been most significantly cultivated during my master's field work in New Zealand, um, where I interviewed Christian farmers about whether or not their their faiths impacted their uh, sustainable agri- agriculture, a deep care for this topic has has also been sustained through through reading writers such as Wendell Berry, Norman Wirzba, um, Ellen Ellen Davis, as well as through my recent finding of Gracie Olmstead's book, Uprooted. Shout out to Joshua for showing me about this. Um, she especially will be joining us tonight, um, but um, these other writers will as well. Um, as I tell stories about people that I met during my field work, um, and as we begin to think about what a relation to place means to their, um, to their Christian faith and, and also to, to ours. In a world that is increasingly urban, rural areas are, are often seen as, as backwards, backwards, Behind the times and, and unworthy of care. Um, Gracie Olm said comments on this while, while explaining the purpose of her book by, by saying, quote, I think these attitudes often arise from a lack of presence in or, or knowledge of farm communities. Of the, of the vast swaths of, of countryside that are rural, farm centric, and, and filled with people who love their, their homeland. That is one of the reasons that I'm writing this book. To help people in, in more urban areas see what they what what they have missed, perhaps when they fly over over rural areas and, and gaze down on an empty patchwork of of fields. It is easy to look at that patchwork and, and not see the life below you. But that world is, or at least it should be, over overflowing with, with life. Soil, seeds, fruits, animal, people and and more. End quote. I could not have said it better myself, and I'm hoping that um, that this time might might open up a bit of a lens into various rural agricultural areas. Just some more pictures to place to you. Wow. My lecture is in a large part um, just a chance to introduce y'all to people who I have met, whom I care very much about, um, and to express their their faith in Jesus in a lovely and, and unexpected and and fascinating way. Getting to know Jesus doesn't always happen by um, sticking our, our heads into a book, the Bible being, being an obvious e- exception. Um, it also happens through the, through the stories and the lives and the, and the actions of lay people who are, daily doing, who are doing daily work to provide for their families while, while also holding on to the hope of the gospel. In the realm of religious studies, which is where I've spent um, most of my small academic life, um, there is tension always held between what is the real form of a religion is it the doctrine the holy book the well-known authors um, or is it the lay people who, who daily live and and breathe their their faith I think it can and is and and will always be a mixture of, of both but for tonight we will be focusing on on what I like to call lived theology the way rural agricultural people ag- ag- express their Christian faith and, and how we might learn more about Jesus from their stories. In many ways, this, this lecture is about place. Place is a word that, that, can, de- that can be defined and, and understood in a vast array of, of ways and often carries with it a lot of baggage. However, I think that place is also an, an important word to look at when thinking about who Jesus is and how we interact with him in our faith lives regardless of, of how we define or how we, or, or how we relate to the word. The conversations surrounding place in this lecture will be focused on on rural agricultural people and how they interact with their land in conjunction with their belief in Christianity. Gracie Olmsted in a recent Plough article speaks about place by saying, quote, our sense of, of being and identity is formed by, by our perception and an understanding of where we are, by the way we name the world and our, ourselves. But many modern humans lack a full understanding of their places and of their identities as, as placed within that landscape. They are, in, in Dr. Norman Wurzba's words, wayward, lacking an, an understanding of where or who they are, end quote. With this in mind, as we enter into stories of, of farmers, Pay attention both to how they, they interact to their own place and maybe also think about how you relate to whatever place you are, are currently rooted up, upon, whether you're rooted there long-term in, in transition, moving from, from one place to, to another, or if being here at Brie is the only physical thing you can call your place right now. This lecture is divided into three sections that have been created based upon three quotes from, from farmers that I met during my time within New Zealand. The first, I have a very spiritual saying, shit happens. The second, I see God out the back of my farm leaning on a fence post somewhere. And the third, let them see the farm and let them see faith. I will begin by looking at the dirty and, and earthy quality of of rural agricultural Christianity. Then I will move to the idea of God residing and being rooted in and on the land, and end with some musings on the way that celebration and goodness can be seen and, and cultivated in the midst of a life that is both te- that is both temporary and e- eternal. What I'm hoping to articulate within this next hour is something of the deeply grounded and, and lived faith of rural people who daily work on and, and with the land. And the ways in which we can all learn from a life that is lived for better or for worse, rooted to place. Um, I should start by, by commenting on what I mean when I say the word the, the word rural. In Alan T. Stanton's um, book, Reclaiming Rural: uh, Building Thriving Rural Congregations, uh, which is an excellent book if you are interested in um, in any kind of rural ministry. He notes that, quote, while urban communities can be easily I- identified, rural communities e- exist as a spectrum. Definitions of, of rural capture snapshots rather than painting a, a whole portrait, in large part because a whole portrait is nearly Im- impossible to, to capture, end quote. Because are such muddled and, and confusing, even Im- impossible, descriptions of what a rural community is, Stanton says that it is common for for these communities to be placed into one of, one of two narratives that are both grossly stereotypical and, and also very, very generic. He says, quote, The first narrative is one rooted in a romantic view of, of, the, of the agrarian lifestyle. So think Wendell Berry. The second is one that, that views rural as synonymous with decline. So think Hillbilly Elegy by, um, by, JD, Fan, by J.D. Vance if you've read that book. These prevailing narratives are, um, are damaging, not just for the people who, who live outside of rural communities, who, who speak about rural culture broadly and flippantly. They also do damage to the people who, who live within these, these rural communities. In some cases, they shape national policies, but they also shape the internal narrative that communities use to characterize themselves. Too often they prevent the very real gifts and and challenges of of rural places from being witnessed, end quote. These are good thoughts to ponder. What narrative am I using when I speak about rural spaces, as well as urban ones? While the word rural does not mean agricultural, for the sake of this lecture, I will be using that word to focus on just that, areas where the main source of of economic community sustainability is, is through farming. Um, I also hope that tonight I am not painting a grand romantic picture, Um, even though I love Wendell Berry. I I want to create a more realistic um, depiction. I am obviously unable to speak towards every rural area of the world, but from the rural spaces that I have gotten to know, the the church is a space that holds a huge and and vital role. Conversations regarding lay-led churches, traveling ministers disagreements between local church communities, the creation of small Christian cults, and, and the inability to go to church based upon location and, and farming responsibility have, have made me in, increasingly intrigued with what goes on in the rural church community. I found that a key part of, of sustainable agriculture is the, it, is the rural community that it takes place within. For the farmer, it is not merely the land and the animals that they daily work with. It is also the community that they are a part of. And for a Christian farmer, this often often includes church. This is why I want to look at the faiths of of those who work on and with the land, for it is a faith that sustains them through the ups and and downs of their farming lives. And I think the rest of us can learn a good bit from the ways in which they, they interact with their Christianity. To set the mood as I enter into this first section, I'm going to read a poem that that um, I think very well um, shows the struggles farmers often find themselves in when, when living a life so close to the land and the animals that they work with. I'm still wondering a bit if there's a point to this poem besides the fact that I really like it and needed a chance to read it. Um but that's fine. So this is by W.H. Guthrie Smith, who lived in New Zealand um, and wrote this poem in 1885. And it's called Beginnings. Who am I? What am I doing here alone with 3,000 sheep? I'm turning their bones into grass. Later, I'll turn grass back into sheep. I buy only the old and the and the lame. They eat anything. Bush, bracken, gorse. Dead, they, they melt into the one green fleece. Who am I? I know the Lord is my shepherd as I am theirs, but this is the 19th century. Darwin is God's first mate. I must keep my, my own log full of facts if, if not love. I own 10,000 ten acres and one dark lake. On the, on the seventh day, those, those jaws don't stop. Who am I? I am the one sheep that must not get, get lost. So I name names rocks, flowers, fish. Knowing this place I learn to know my my myself. I survive. The land becomes my, my meat and, and my tallow. I light my 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 lamps. I hold back the dark with the blood of, of my lambs. Um, and with that, I will lead us into our first farmer quote of the night. I have a very spiritual saying, shit happens. I was given this quote during an interview that I conducted with with farming couple Ash and Caroline, who are here. Uh, this, is, this is part of their farm. Um, out on their sheep and beef farm um, in New Zealand's North Island. Ash explained that this spiritual motto, to which his wife Caroline rolled her eyes, was an accepting was an acceptance that, that negative things will happen, but that there should not be much anxiety or or worry placed upon these less-than-ideal happenings. It was a good-natured way for, for Ash to view his, his faith, practically understanding that there is no reason to worry in a, in a world that will contain many highs and lows. But there is good reason to worry. Being a farmer, being a human being, is, is full of the unknowns. What if the weather is bad this year and all my crops die? What if I don't have enough resources to feed my animals? What if there's a drought or a fire or a, or an infestation of of some kind? Not only these things but but there's also a hopelessness and a loneliness and a mental fatigue that can come from from being a farmer as is portrayed in the poem just just read. Mm-hmm. Ash in his spiritual motto of of shit happens is 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 understanding that there are all kinds of, of bad in this life and we are not in in control of, of any of it. There are things that make us groan and cry out, why, Lord, are you even there? However, Ash went on to say that that his faith, at least for him and his wife, Caroline, was an active choice that affected their, their daily decisions. This could be as as mundane as performing farm chores or as practical, or, or as practical as, as giving money in, in support of, of overseas missions. And the underlying theme that, um, that rural agricultural faith contains, as I've mentioned before, is the emphasis on, on place, as, as rural spaces are, for better or for worse, deeply in, in, ingrained in a, in a place. The problem with being so, so attached to a particular location is, when bad things happen, there is nowhere to go. It isn't often a feasible option to simply up and leave as, as entire lives are, are wrapped up in the rootedness. Part of Ash and Caroline's active choice in, in believing that God is good and, and takes care of them in the midst of life's un, unpredictability has to do with how they relate to their small area of the world and, and how they invite God to also be an active part of it. Ash and Caroline told me a story about how they had traveled around the farm carving the word shalom, a uh, Hebrew word meaning wholeness, peace, and and well-being, into various fence posts and trees. They then spent time praying over the land before partaking in communion, bearing the leftover bread and wine as a way to physically connect the ritual to the land. Caroline explained their their actions by, by saying, quote, I heard this thing about a farmer who was really not doing well. They went and they spread salt... at, at each of his gateways and they prayed throughout his, his farm. And it, and it made a difference to what was happening on the farm here. We have gone and we have prayed in a spot and we have taken communion and we have buried the rest of, of the communion there. This isn't our farm. It is God's. We are just stewards. He owns the cattle on, on a thousand Hills, not us we are blessed to be able to take care of it for him and for future generations of, of people that he will bring here, end quote. This quote directly e- expresses sustainability as a response to God's gift of the farm. While, while Ash and Caroline were telling me this story a few years ago over a cup of tea at their kitchen table, I remember smiling because when I glanced over at, at Ash, he was visibly embarrassed over Caroline's story. He completely believed in their actions, um, but as he explained after the story was told, "We are weirdos." <laughs> I know it sounds really, really wacky. This discourse of of, of disassociation, calling um, calling Caroline and himself weirdos, located themselves self-consciously against a, a perceived dominant cultural grain. It it showed to me that they were not oblivious to how strange their their um, Ritual practices might sound to an outsider, and they acknowledged it as, as such. This act of communion, followed by the bearing of, of excess bread and wine in the land of their farm, creates a literal meaning to the idea of, of grounded spirituality. Ash and Caroline's Christianity physically became one with their farmland. The act of writing shalom on, on fence posts around the farm had, had similar effects taking physical action to join God to the farm and to the land. This was not a one-off occurrence with the farmers that I met. Many couples that I talked to had had stories of hardships happening and and God providing tangibly on and with the places that the people had their roots. One couple, this is Betty, um, this is their farm, um, told me a story about the husband having a heart attack all alone on, on top of an isolated mountain while, um, while, while rounding up sheep, and it was a miracle that he was found. His, his wife, Betty, later said that she saw a, a cloud that looked just like a bird hovering over the farm, and she knew that that, that that was God saying he was present in the midst of all of this, protecting their farm and their family like a bird hovering over with, with outstretched wings. Another couple told me that they had a horrible drought that was threatening to close their um, their dairy farm down. But as the husband was, was walking along the farm one day and deeply depressed, he heard God say, This is my farm. I am the one who will sustain it. Stop worrying about the business end of it. Start caring about the land and the animals and the people who are a part of it. I will provide for you. The farmer went and did just that, since then changing his his farming practices so that things are more sustainable for everyone and everything in, involved. This spiritual e- e- experience happened on the farm, on the place where the farmer and their family lived. So what can we as outside observers learn from from Ash and Caroline, from their literal grounding of, of faith to the way that Ash said that his spiritual saying was, shit happens? Mm-hmm. We can learn that it is healthy and a good idea, even a spiritual practice, to recognize and and articulate that we are not in control. We are in much less control than our urban, technologically sanitized ex- experience in the modern West would, would have us to believe. To have humility in ec- acknowledging that our, um, our, our own limits as, as human beings, this is something those who work on and with the land are, are forced to reckon with, whereas the majority of us can often sweep it under the rug. The shit is a part of life, it feels physical and bodily and earthy. Life is hard sometimes, but a belief in Jesus can, can help ground your life and your actions, connecting you to the greater world that you are a part of. The way in which the Christian farmer relates to their land can, can often be filled with, with spiritual e- e- experiences relating to land and place. Whether it is walking along the farm full of hopelessness and, and hearing God speak conducting the ritual of communion on the farm and then burying it, or seeing a large bird-like cloud as an image of of promise that the farm is in God's more than capable hands, this lived theology speaks towards a fear that is inherent to living rurally isolated in a country becoming increasingly urban and increasingly secular. For these farmers, it is faith that sustains them, explaining why, why bad things might happen, but why they also do not need to lose hope, given that it is controlled by a greater presence. The sustainability of the land is deeply grounded in the spirituality of their lives, if for no other reason than equating the continuation of their farm with the continuation of themselves and their faith. As, as Gracie Olmsted says, says, quote, Because the farm transcends economics and touches on the entirety of, of one's life, culture, ecology, lifestyle, and, and health, the downfall of the farm often has, has emotional, communal, and even spiritual consequences for its owners. End quote. The consequences of, of hardship are huge, so to acknowledge that shit happens and to see this as a spiritual saying is an honest and an important part of, of sustaining both one's life and one's faith through trust and hope. Even in the midst of, of life's difficulties, there is a sense that God is here, with the land and with the farmers. However, the idea that, that God is present and cares for the land and the, and the places that we inhabit, both rural and urban, this is something easily forgotten. While not impossible to realize in, in urban settings, rural agricultural areas can, can often create spaces more apt to remind us of God's presence, to recognize that God is here and that he cares to work on and with and for the land. This this easily forces a a remembrance of of who is in charge and the fact that it is not us. Wendell Berry writes in the foreword to Ellen Davis's book Scripture Culture and and Agriculture that quote, "We are how 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 be it only in part earthly creatures. We have been given the the earth to live not on but with and from, and only on the on the condition that we care properly for it. We did not make it, and we know little about it. In in fact, we don't, and we'll never know enough about it to make our survival sure, or our lives carefree. Our our relation to the land will always remain, to a significant eg- extent, full of mystery. Therefore, our, our use of it must be determined more by reverence and humility, by by local memory and affection than by the knowledge that we now call scientific or ob- ob- objective. Above all, we must not damage it permanently or or compromise its natural means of, of sustaining it itself. The best farmers have, have always accepted this situation as a given, end quote. This brings us to our next section, um, a, sec- a, a section focused on the idea that God the same God who created this world and made everything in it is present and that he cares. I see God out the back of my farm leaning on a fence post somewhere. Jim, pictured here with his third wife, Marge, um, he was not married to three wives at once, um, Mm -hmm. told me this in all seriousness as as part of a story about wondering if he should go ahead and, and sell his farm a farm that was one of the most beautiful spaces um, that I have ever seen. Rolling hills covered in frolicking sheep, gorgeous native flora and fauna surrounded by, by bubbling streams, a long gravel road winding for, for ages around amazing rock cliffs. As we talked about my, uh, my various research questions, he began to tell me one story um, <coughs> pertaining to how his farming and his faith in, in Jesus were, um, were intertwined. Jim said, they are two different things, but they actually are very tied together. I had a pastor one time, and he asked me how I was doing because my second wife had, had just died of cancer while we were here, and I went through all that. Some shocking things have, have gone on in the nearly 20 years that I have been here. This, this one time I was, I was thinking of selling the farm, but then I thought, nah, God gave me this farm. He will show me when it is time to chuck it in. So I got through that lot and I carried on, you know, quite often in those times, I just think, well, God put me here. I guess I am supposed to be here anyways. So the pastor came up to see me one day after, after Jane had died. And he said to me, Jim, where do you find God? And I said, out the back of my farm, leaning on a fence post somewhere. This story that he told, um, expressed his, his, his understanding of the farm as a divine gift where did Jim see God? He saw God hanging out on his farm like, like Jim himself might do. The land that he lived on directly e- expressed his faith, and it was on his land, on his farm, that he saw his his faith physically manifesting. The beliefs and and practices of Christianity might vary from, from farmer to farmer. However, as, as seen in the story shared tonight, The language of God being a part of the farm is somewhat inherent to the conversation around land, animals, community, and and farming life. In my opinion, God being inherent to the language of of farming is due to the fact that the Bible is full of, of agricultural language. In Scripture, Culture, Agriculture, Ellen Davis writes that the Bible is a book about religion while also being a book that gives the story of gift, the gift being the land. Wendell Berry speaks towards this idea saying, quote, According to this story, the descendants of, of, of Israel were, were given not a land but the use of a land, along with precise in, in instructions for its good care. They could keep the land only upon the condition of, of their ob, ob, obedience. By their disobedience, they were estranged from the land and the covenant by which they received it, and they were removed into exile. What we have then is a story and a discourse about the connection of a people to a place. This connection is at once urgently religious and urgently practical. It is urgently religious because the land is, is understood never as human property but as a part of an of an intently complex creation, both both natural and divine, belonging to God it is urgently practical because of the strict conditions of of gratitude and care placed upon its, its users, end quote. Knowing one's place is, therefore, of the utmost in, in importance to the discussion around sustainable agriculture and spirituality. It is through knowing and loving a place that care of creation, both local and, and global, can be cultivated. Within this is the idea that, that being rooted to a place is good because God himself is, is rooted to the land that, that rural people live and, and work upon. This concept that, that God lives within his creation is, is difficult for many of us to comprehend sometimes, even if we know it to be true. And, and Gracie Olmsted speaks of this by, by saying, quote, Rootedness and perennial belonging often make sense to us on a scientific and, and ecological level. We know, or at least realizing, what the soil needs for biological health and, and flourishing but there seems to be a widespread belief in our society that these principles do not apply to, to people, that we are different, that our minds and our souls are, in in fact, better suited to wandering and restlessness than to faithful belonging and the choice to stick. Um, Norman Wurzbaugh also notes that, quote, My experience of, of farmers is that, is, is that they experience daily multiple e- examples of God's goodness and power, most, most basically in the germination and the growth of crops and the birth and health of, health of, of livestock. To be sure, crop, crop failure and disease, as well as painful death, were, um, were definitely possibilities, but the experience of, of farming overwhelmingly taught the benefit of grace. If the farmer is honest... and and thus appropriately humble, he or she will recognize that there is much more to be grateful for than there is to fear. Authentic rest becomes possible, even in the midst of of harvest time, because it is informed by the palpable, concrete understanding that God provides. The the means of divine care, whether in plant and and, and animal cycles of birth, growth, decay, and and death, or in the kindness of, of kin and community are, are ample and clear for those who, who care to notice end quote for Jim to see God on his farm acting like he is one of the farmers this is a vision of as as Worsba says divine care and also divine presence this brings us to the final quotation of the night which also happens to be the lecture title let them see the farm and let them see faith I was talking to Sarah a few months ago um, about this work that we do here at um, at Brie and how since this isn't really our home, um, our like permanent home, as um, as as workers, it can sometimes feel difficult to care about the physical space around us. What is the point if we won't be here forever? Why care? I heard similar questions from the farmers that I met. Why should I continue caring about the land that I live on if my children are moving into urban areas and, and not wanting to take over the family business? Why should I care about the state of things if it will eventually be bulldozed over and, and made into a strip mall? Even if God, ca- even if God calls us to, to care about the earth that he has made, what is the point, of, what is the point in a God-given responsibility that, that won't necessarily last into the future? These questions, again, put an emphasis on place. The farmers who, who asked these, th- these questions were asking about how to fully commit themselves to their place if it might not be a lasting commitment from their direct family members or even people that they know. There is goodness in and on the land that we live, but this goodness is, is quickly being taken away in the name of, of efficiency, progress, and, and economic need. Gracie Olmsted writes about this in in terms of her family in in Emmett, Idaho, saying, quote, I cannot even begin to name all the good and and beautiful things one might see in this land. Things ought to be celebrated, shared, or preserved. There are virtues and and beauties here, characteristics of of Idaho's people and, and places that are worth fighting for. In particular, I believe that Emmet and its farmers have, have nurtured goodness in the lives of many over the past one, one, 150 years, and that this town holds within it the dignity, love, and work of, of past and present and hopefully future community members. In this way, it is like any and every legacy that is beautiful, albeit marred and, and troubled in, in various places. I am not out to sell Emmet as a perfect place with a flawless past, Quite the opposite. but it is worth loving for its own sake. It needs to be loved for its own sake, not for anything it, it might do for far-flung stretches of the world, but for what it can do for each and, and every one of its of its community members. end quote. This idea that that Gracy that, that Gracie mentions of nurturing goodness of, of loving a place for its own sake, directly parallels what Irene said in my interview with, with her and her husband Jake on their dairy farm in the South Island of, of, um, of New Zealand. In preface to her comment, to let them see the farm and let them see faith, she said, quote, as Christians we have that sense to look out for what we have been given, a, a mandate to steward creation and, and also that presence of the Holy Spirit, which, which, which gives you a sense of, is what I am really doing in line with what I profess to be Christian. There was a sense of, of, um, of delight for her in what happens on one's land, a celebration simply because this land was was created by God, and they have the opportunity to, to cultivate and to help it continue while they are residing there. Her husband, Jake, continued with this idea by saying, quote, Farming can become very self-consuming, and it can go on and on. We had years of that, but even then we we tried to have times of rest and times of work. But along with that is that sense of celebration, that sense of goodness on the farm. We have raised seven children on this farm. We have paid off a lot of our mortgage on this farm. We have been self-employed and have been able to make our own choices on this farm. We are able to choose to do things in this beautiful environment. To be able to Sit back and, and celebrate that, rather than just grizzling about the difficulty of it. I would like to think that my faith in, in, informs that, because it is a gift in many ways. End quote. Our time is not God's time, and everything we, we do can often feel silly and meaningless if we look with cynical eyes towards the horrible end that will eventually come due to climate change and urbanization and globalization and industrialization and all the other ization words. But there is still now the present. Let them see the farm and let them see faith. Let people see the space on on which you live and let them see hope and goodness and joy and celebration and and a desire for these things to continue on, even if there is no control over what might happen down the road. There's a call for us as, as Christians to cultivate goodness. But when working with the earth, working with animals, working with a quickly depleting space, knowing that your family and your friends aren't, aren't planning on, on staying, and you yourself questioning your, your own decision to stay because it is hard work, this is something that we can learn from our rural neighbors. Learning to cultivate, nurture, strive, and hope for, for goodness, even if it won't last very long. It, it still matters. It just might matter more than anything else, because for others to see your your care of a place that you don't own it it makes them wonder why you are caring. And the answer is because we believe in a god who who cares we We see this in the in the first chapter of Genesis, which is in, which is an an entire poem dedicated to to God's delight of his of his creation. So shouldn't we care and delight as as well? Ellen Davis says, quote, Throughout the first chapter of the Bible, what, what characterizes the God in, in whose image we are made in, in relation to creation is, is approbation, true delight in the creatures and God saw that it was good. Appreciation and, and enjoyment of the, of the creatures are, are the hallmark of, of God's dominion and therefore the standard by which our, our own attempts to exercise dominion must be judged, end quote. Let them see the farm or wherever you are living and let them see the care taken on it. Let them see tangible and active faith in a God who, who loves all of his creation. There's much to be delighted in. Even if we won't be on this earth for very long and it often seems like our, our hard work and, and care are for naught. Let people see the beauty and goodness of the of the spaces that we live in and let them see Jesus in the in the process. Yes, shit happens. But yes, God resides on this earth with us and is a creation that, that he has made and, and he cares about and therefore we should as well. Our work on this earth matters. I'm not trying to create some grand romantic visions of, of rural agricultural areas. They are not more perfect than, than any other place. However, it is my belief that these areas have a lot to teach those of us who do not daily in, in, engage intimately with the earth. And it is my belief that, that having humility to learn from, from those who don't live like us is important work that, that we as Christians are, are called to undertake. It is a very real threat, the threat that the farmer's work can be un, undone. And this is indeed happening in, in a lot of places. If this knowledge was, was, all, that wo- was all that there was, I would, I would feel absolutely crippled by a sense of so-whatness. But, but being reminded that our, our work in in Christ is, is not in vain and that God can and will restore what has been lost and, and what has been broken, um, this, this including the earth that we live on, this should give us hope. We are not called to save the world. We are called to live faithfully in the, in the places each of us have been given and to bear well the honor of, of, of living into this kingdom that is coming. The work of living well, of of letting go of control, trusting that God is present and he cares, and and living with delight. This requires attention. Good work done in faith and and hope, work that demonstrates our our care for a place that is fading in in so many ways. Work that ascends to the value of the the weak and the seemingly insignificant, from the soil microbes to the animals to the trees to the people. Is, is such a profound witness to the goodness and the faithfulness of, of of our Creator. What can we learn from these stories and from the idea that that being rooted somewhere can also help ground one's one's faith in God? We can learn, as as Gracie Olmstead says, says, quote, to stick, choosing to to invest ourselves in in place, to love our our neighbors, to leave our soil a little healthier than it was when we are. When, when, we, uh, when we arrived, end quote. We can also learn to cultivate a, a, a sense of placeness wherever we are, even if we are not there for very long, to cultivate, grow, and sustain a sense of, of goodness and also delight in, in where we are when we are there. The scripture verse that almost all the farmers that I have gotten to know quote um, and say is their life motto is Micah 6.8, and these are words that I want to leave you with tonight. This passage, like the three quotations that have guided our, our time tonight, express a faith that, that calls for active participation in, in life, a remembrance of, of grace, and the call to trust in the one who is the creator and is the sustainer of all things. Micah 6.8 He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And I will leave you with this picture of Richard and his sheep. Um, So that is the end of my lecture. You're more than welcome to leave, as I would be if I was not lecturing, um, and go to bed. (laughs) Um, But it's also time for questions if you have any. Um, So yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, how many folks did you interview
1: for the project? I interviewed 25 different couples. Wow. And there were a lot more that wanted to be interviewed that I didn't have time for. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: How far was this right across?
1: Um, I went to, um, uh, it's called the Waikato. Uh, area of New Zealand, which is like the middle of the North Island, and then the Golden <coughs> Bay area of the South Island, so like the very top uh, beachy bit. Yes. Yeah?
2: When it came to, you mentioned at the beginning the predicament of typical farming rhythms make typical church participation and mm-hmm. Sabbath practice doesn't really look the way that perhaps we can see the good here. Did that come into your conversation as to how that looked for them?
1: Yeah, I mean, church was really important to them because it was like their main community um, space. So, like, a lot of them would be like, "Yeah, I'd get off my tractor and I'd just run to church with my gum boots on," <laughs> and um, they would have to like lead the service um, most often because there weren't there like weren't many ministers who wanted to be in rural areas, or there'd be like a like one traveling minister who'd kind of pop around to different ones. Um, but church was really important to them. So they kind of tried to make that um make that a purposeful decision. Um yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And what was the name of the comedy in the
1: author? Um it's called Beginnings and it's by W. W. H. Guthrie Smith. <laughs> Yeah, I've been wanting um, any any place to talk about this poem <laughs> or just read it. Is yeah. he a poet or is he mostly a sheep I have sheep no sheep idea. Or? I I don't even know where I found that poem. I think it was in some like really old book that I was looking at. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you you said um, certainly implied in this lecture that there's really not many young people continuing to work on the land. Um, was that the case? Was, were there any young, younger people wanting to take over farming, or was it pretty much exclusively older people that were kind of envisioning the end of the, of the use
1: of that land? Yeah, I, I interviewed um, a trio, and it was um, the parents and then the son. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only, like, younger guy. He must have been in his early 30s. Um, but he was the only one, and I... I mean, because I was interviewing Christian farmers, it seemed like the Christian farmers were older and the younger generation, at least in New Zealand, they were not Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, either because of like the whole workload, so they like couldn't go to church and then they were like, whatever. Um, or because New Zealand is very secular um, and seems to be like, like a there's like a really big generational shift. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Wayne, the one guy that I interviewed was the only younger Christian guy. Um, But they definitely all felt this like weight and burden of my kids are not going to take over the farm. So what do I do? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like even the couple that had seven kids, none of the kids wanted to take it over. So they were expecting to eventually move. Um, Yeah. I think that at least in New Zealand, like there's like a lot of governmental regulations that also make it really difficult to want to farm um and like all of all of like the various environmental backlash uh which is valid and right um i think has made people scared to farm also
0: yeah yeah just something to clarify well not to clarify but um you gave kind of like two narratives of Rural, like what mm-hmm. rural actually means. Can you just recap that
1: a little for me? Um, in terms of like what um, Alan Stanton said, yeah, of they, like the two different, yeah. Yeah, what
0: were
1: the two different ones? Um, so one uh, would be kind of like the, uh, the like, romantic, agrarian, Wendell Berry esque, um, rural spaces are awesome and wonderful and community focused and everyone loves one another <clears throat> kind of space. And the other one, um, I don't know if y'all have read Hillbilly Elegy, but it's it, it talks about like just just the decline and uh, like the addiction to drugs um, and like the poor white um, kind of Appalachia um, space of like we don't really care about these people. They all live in trailer parks, and um, there's there's no hope for them. And
0: then did you did you study any other like like in, in your interviewing? Did they talk about any other areas of the world where? Like uh, you know like younger people
2: or are, are farming
1: to more like hip or- <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they didn't really there's definitely a difference between the farmers in New Zealand and the farmers here. I think farming here is quite hip, um, but I think that's because the way that our agricultural system has gone that that they have not gone through yet or ever um. Because, like, here there has been, like, a huge industrial agricultural um, movement. So now people are trying to get back to, like, local and get back to the land. Um, and I think that, like, a lot of the um, writers such as Wendell Berry have kind of spurred on a younger group to try and do this. Um, and while that's, that's good and that's working, um, I also think there's still this tension of, like, the farmers who have been doing it forever and these young gung-ho people... Um, who are, like, yay land, but not knowing the history of the land. Um, but I, I, I do have a lot of hope, um, and a lot of the younger farmers that I know, um, I think are being a lot more wise with the reality of what it means to farm. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: was, like, a particularly spiritually enriching part of this project? from all these couples that you found like you'll carry with you moving forward or, or how you want to interact with mm-hmm. the kind of farm spaces like, like the, the, kind of the, the biggest thing that comes to mind I guess
1: I mean I think just their stories of of how they saw God interacting on like a kind of personal level with their farms um I think that like the very first couple, they have really stuck with me. Um, I loved the fact that they took communion and then they buried it. So they were kind of like taking communion with their farm. Um, a lot of the farmers were also, um, really into fallow farming, um, which is like every seven years you let the land rest, uh, which is like a very biblical, um, idea. Um, I also think I was just, I just really like, rural farmers, um, and hearing their stories, uh, hearing the ups and downs of their lives. But the fact that Christianity was like a constant, um, was really encouraging to me and really lovely. Um, and the way that they saw their church community, I mean, meeting them was why I wanted to go into like a rural ministry space, um, of like, why aren't people caring about these awesome people, um, Who are trying to do all these things, um, like farm, and then also take care of their church? Um, Yeah.
0: Um, I'm just curious. The um, the poem you read, and then um, the first poem you read talked a line. There was a line or a couple lines about like basically like the sheep, fine old sheep, that then will become grass and then the grass will become Mm -hmm. like the sheep Mm -hmm. having that and then seeing your first point of uh, shit happens Mm -hmm. i was sort of primed for you i was thinking that was more of like almost like there's something about the cycle of life Mm -hmm. and uh excrement becoming compost Mm -hmm. or or something (laughs) like yeah that's just sort of where i I was Mm -hmm. wondering where it was going but i was just curious because so many of the it seems like there's a lot of um like like uh, sheep and, and the dairy, mm-hmm. where there's been a lot of, um, you know, and uh,
1: <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm just curious if you, just, just because when I saw it after hearing the poem, that's sort of like where my, I was like, well, I wonder if there's going to be a, uh, some sort of like reflection on, on just that very, uh, I mean, it's not it's a very natural occurring yeah. thing. I was just curious if you have any thoughts on, or anybody you said anything just about more, not necessarily about that, but um, yeah. about what that represents in, in sort of an older way of farming and then even just connection to the earth. And I was just curious if you've got any yeah, I'm trying stories to. or thoughts. And if not, it's okay. It was just sort of where my mind went, hearing the poem and then seeing yeah. the, the title. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm trying to think think i don't yeah i don't know um
0: you can always get back to me you know i i will i will think about it i'll get back
1: to you later yeah yeah Yeah, i'll go talk to them (laughs) and then yeah yeah Yeah.
2: what recommendations do you have for rural people like what based on the the stuff that you researched, like what would you like bring to them for them to like do or
1: to pay attention to i don't think i should bring anything to them i think what they need is for people to ask them their stories and ask them to just share about themselves um like when i asked my my four questions that i asked all the farmers um a lot of them were like i never thought about it before. No one's asked me how my faith relates to my farming. But now that I think about it, or they would, like, call me up a week later and be like, hey, so actually, can I redo my interview? Because I've thought about it. Um, so I, I mean, like, I didn't grow up in a farming uh, family. So i I feel like I am, I, there's nothing I can bring besides maybe, like, Listening and support, um, and encouragement in, in in what they are doing, um, but then also the encouragement um, that they can continue to do it in a way that is like not hurtful to themselves or to the land. Because um, I think that a lot of like um, of like the various industrial practices um, have been in the name of like just efficiency um, and ease, um, so to encourage people to continue doing. What they're doing, and that it's good, yeah.
2: And what would you say to urban people?
1: In terms of,
2: I don't know. Like, it's an just question. Like, like, what do you say? Like, how do they live their lives differently? Like, I don't know, It's kind of a constant question of like, yeah, we're all in urban. So mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. how how there's a disjunct to so like, how does that change or shift?
1: Yeah, I mean, Esther and I were kind of talking about this earlier today, um, with like bringing Wendell Berry to an urban space kind of thing, or, like, what do you do if you live in a city, um, but you still want to care? Um, and I I think I would kind of just say um, to get to know the place that you're in, because I think that rural people, I mean, they're kind of forced to, but they have to know their place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's harder within a city, um, but to still get to know the area that you're in, the little mm-hmm. section of the of the city, um, to get to know your neighbors, which might be weird. Um, but to still care. I, I, I feel like that is probably Mm -hmm. what I would say. So you're still placed Mm -hmm. even if it's in like quite a hectic or, um, yeah. Seemingly like, like a, I don't know, like rootless place or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kayla.
2: Um, I read an interview with Little Barry by restraint we are made whole Mm -hmm. Um, and he's talking about the land but he's also talking about people Um, and the way we need to live restrained Mm -hmm. in terms of our our access to abundance Mm -hmm. and I do think there's a connection there for great question, for mm-hmm. strength mm-hmm. in terms of our access to, mm-hmm. and also distraction, but just the strength component of, um, yeah, holiness, mm-hmm. human, hum- humanness and holiness, mm-hmm. yeah limitations and and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, I, I think what I'm thinking about in my own life is, like, ch- about choosing place. Um, I think the people you interviewed were already kind of rooted, and it sounds like it was more their kids that were making that choice, mm-hmm. but um, I'm just wondering if, like, in seeing the way, in, in your interviews, and in seeing the way these couples and families have like chosen a place, uh, if that has like informed the way you think, like you will go about like choosing a place. Um, I think like sometimes I'm like, should I just stay where my family is because my family's there? <laughs> like is that, you know, kind of like.
1: You should, um, read this book and, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I have a really romantic view of, um, place and I, I have a problem with being like, I'd like to be in my place right now and then never leave. Um, Mm -hmm. which is just, um, causes me a lot of anxiety. Um, I think though, um, Choosing a place is kind of, uh, this might be dumb, but it's kind of like a marriage. Um, and I think that Wendell Berry actually says that somewhere, um, of like when you, when you live somewhere, um, you, and you like want to stay, then you need to stay, uh, regardless of when it gets bad and when you don't like the people. Um, and when you realize that actually you should have chosen a different place or, um, whatever. So... Yeah, so, so when, and, and I don't know if you, I think that life also just, like, places you sometimes without you, like, necessarily, like, saying, I'm choosing this place to be placed. Um, I think it's okay if you aren't placed where your family is, um, but I think it's also a really lovely thing if it is. I don't know if what I'm saying actually makes any sense. Um. I guess speaking for myself, I would say, put a, put less weight on choosing a place, or put less weight on trying to get to that place and then staying there, and kind of let let the places that you're in be that place for now, um, and then eventually you'll stick somewhere, um, and invest. Yeah, yeah. You may
0: have mentioned this, in i was a slow processor I was taking a lot of notes so if you did I missed it Um, but you talked about like industrialization and kind of the damage that that's doing I'm curious to know kind of your take on um, or maybe even in talking with the farmers kind of like the impact of like more organic movements or like Mm -hmm. grass fed meat movements Mm -hmm. and all that if that's happening in New Zealand as well as it's happening in the United States and like if that's kind of balancing the scales or if it's not really making a huge dent in the kind of like yeah, industrialization
2: mm-hmm.
1: tidal wave? I think that the term organic at this point, um, I have a hard time with it, um, both in New Zealand and here. If you see an organic label, it doesn't really mean much anymore. Um, in So these, these farmers that... That I interviewed only one of the farmers was, was actually certified or, or organic um, because it takes so much time um, and it's very expensive um, and they have so many rural uh, they have like so many rural rules um, that it's just not worth it especially for a farmer who doesn't have like heaps of money and is trying to also farm to make the money um, and that's how it is here too um, to a large extent Um, so I kind of disregard organic at this point, um, which is quite sad, um, because organic farming is awesome. Um, and I, I think it's different, like in terms of fruits and vegetables, which I don't really know a lot about. Um, but in terms of animals, um, the organic label, I don't think, or, or just like farming or farming in like an organic way has not really, um, helped tip the scales at, at all. Um, Grass fed beef. I worked for a grass-fed beef farm. Um and I think grass-fed is a great idea. Um I'm also not a beef farmer, so you know, someone else probably can say more about this, but from what I can tell it's it's really hard because if you're feeding cows just grass, like in the winter it's you have to have a lot of stuff saved up. Um so grain is often just really helpful. Um, some of the farmers that I knew would, like, finish with with grain. So, like, feed their cows grain, the, like, the last six weeks. Uh, but it was grain from their own farm, um, which, like, they were really proud of. Like, we aren't just feeding them corn that's genetically modified from somewhere. Uh, this is corn that we've grown. Um, I think what's, if anything, is going to change the industrial agricultural space um, is starting to... <sighs> Uh, This sounds so cliche, but, like, buy more locally um, and support the farmers who are around you um, who are really trying but might be smaller. Um, And also just to eat less um, meat. Um, Yeah, so... I I, I have hope for the the agricultural system. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if this is related, but you've talked before, like, we've talked before about how there was sort of like conflict with these farmers between it was like Wellington mm-hmm. and environmental stuff coming like from urban spaces kind of like top down mm-hmm. and
2: that kind of being a conflict. Could you talk a little bit about that? I think that would be.
1: Important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Wellington, which is the capital of, um, of New Zealand is where I lived and where I went to school. Um, and it's super progressive, um, super secular, um, very focused on the environment, um, which is awesome. Um, but at the same time, when they started, um, when like my friends and just various people started um, learning about what I was studying, they were like, "Like farmers, they don't care. Um, you're not going to find anything helpful. Um, it's going to be really depressing um, because all of all of various um, all of like the various rules and regulations um, were just really cracking down on on farmers." um and painted farmers in like a really negative light like they don't care about their waterways dairy farmers are ruining everything um they don't care about their animals um so that's kind of what I what I was getting and then I would go out to these farms and I would be like these these farms are beautiful these people do care they are planting up um up along their waterways so that nothing will get into the water um they also are recognizing that maybe they've done poor things in the past because they didn't know. Um, but they're, I mean, broadly speaking, like there are farmers who are not, um, the greatest. I did interview one farmer that I was like, Hmm, um, <laughs> I'm not going to put you in my thesis. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: um,
1: but I, I think there is just a huge disconnect between what farmers in in rural areas are doing and what urban environmentalists um see and think um and like my 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 thesis I went in being like sustainability in my mind is just environmental which is just a silly way to think about that um and the and the farmers that I talked to were like sustainability um is four and kind of five different things it's lifestyle it's um it's, economic, it's um, What else? Environmental, um, oh, I guess it's just four things. And then um, it's also spiritual. Um, So because there's like four different facets instead of one, um, and you can't just expect someone who's farming um, to only focus on the environment and then let their families die, Um, but it's in the name of the land. Um, At the same time, um, I think farmers have been, at least in New Zealand, been living... Um, pretty easily, um, since so New Zealand is like a farm-centric space, um, and a lot of them are annoyed with the government because they're adding these rules and regulations, which like maybe need to actually be put in place. Um, yeah.
0: What are the restrictions? That I mean, is, is it about like uh, animal waste getting the waterways? Is, is that or what are some of the issues that are point of tension with environmentalists?
1: I think the waterways are a huge thing, at least in New Zealand, because the waters are seen as sacred, um, and so yeah, I think like a lot of like the effluent coming from dairy farms um, into the waterways it's a huge deal. Um, that's in my mind. That's like the main one. Um, yeah, but they and I mean it like they really didn't care about like fencing up waterways before, um, and so it's been a more recent thing of like planting along. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What was uh in all the farms you visited? What were there any like close to urban environments, or was it, were any of them like a mix between like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rural and urban? And how did
1: that? Yeah, uh, the places that I went were pretty rural. Um, I, I don't know. Golden Bay, though, is kind of like a like a very hippie area. Um, So the farmers that I hung out with, like, they were not hippie, but they were next to, like, like, I don't know, like, vegetarian communes and things like that. Um, So that was an interesting dynamic between, like, rural farmers and then hippie people. Um, But there weren't any, I didn't get to know any, like, kind of urban-esque farmers, yeah. Yeah. I
2: heard one pastor mention that he was just looking at books that were published about church planting, and like, there was th- of all the books on Amazon, there was probably two about planting in just not cities, mm-hmm. uh, suburban or rural areas, and one of them wasn't even, didn't really apply. So, mm-hmm. to your point, it's like, it doesn't get a lot of talking, at least amongst, I don't know, where a lot of books are just published and circulated.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, reasons why... Folks are like, "Ah, I'd rather stay in City and
1: not be in I mean, the city is where it's like theology and academics and excitement and you can get your name out, you can have like massive churches. Um rural areas are often seen as like the first church you go to and then you like move on. Um I mean, that like this this book is awesome. Can you say the name of the um box? Yeah, so it's by Alan T. Stanton, um, and it's called Reclaiming Rural, Building Thriving, Building Thriving Rural Congregations. Um, and in this he kind of talks about, like, um, how churches in, like, like a more rural setting, um, I mean, like the sermon is important, but it seems to be, like, the practical, like, bringing practical hope to, to spaces that are kind of hopeless in many ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about the,
2: the rural and the urban. Uh, thinking about the storyline of scripture, if we're summarized, so well, it starts in the garden and ends in the city, mm-hmm. which is kind of a narrative of like progress and development. But even the the heavenly city that's described, like there are trees for the human conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much garden imagery in that wondering for these farmers for you, are there particular passages or hopes about the new creation that kind of animate your heart and their hearts, especially that sense of like God will restore what's lost and broken mm-hmm. even if all of this like gets completely turned into strict walls like mm-hmm. yeah, what are some of the
1: mm-hmm yeah I don't none of the farmers that I talked to really talked about about the new creation I think they were so focused in on this creation um, I mean also like I'm, I'm I'm sure if we continued talking they probably would have um, like the majority of um, of like the biblical passages that they mentioned were like God Owns the Cattle on a a Thousand Hills, um, or like Micah 6-8, which literally every single farmer said was out, was like their spiritual motto, um, which I found very interesting. Um, Other than that, yeah, they didn't really talk about um, about the new heavens and the new earth. Um, And I think for me, I often also am so like focused on this life that I don't think about like, like what it means for, um, for this creation to then be made new. Um, besides the fact that like, if I look at it too much, I feel really cynical and really overwhelmed. Um, and that's when I'm like, okay, well actually like God is making everything new. Um, that is very hopeful. Um, and I can't, I like don't have to just live in despair all the time. Um, that things kind of suck. Um, but also, I think that's, that's why I would, I would like to care more about the spaces because, um, yeah, it means something for, um, for what is coming. Um, yeah, it doesn't really answer your question, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
2: That's kind of a strange question you've spent more time in, in uh, these rural places than a lot of us have so like if you're just driving past like a farm like what are things you should like look at and notice like what should you appreciate as you're going past these places okay well what I notice is
1: I always notice if if they have done rye. Uh, it's called riperian planting which is like planting along the waterways um, that's what I always notice now Um And you can really tell if, if, if there's like a stream that has nothing around it, then they just really haven't done any, there's like, I mean, there probably is care about the water, but there's not as much focus. Um, I also noticed like the grass color. Um, cause I don't know. I think there's like a, I can, it like seems like there's like a difference in, 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 in color for when it's like pretty organic or if there's like a lot of fertilizer things like that. Um, there's like a lot less weeds if it's not organic, um, and it looks like really perfect, um, which I kind of throws me off because it's too perfect almost. Um, those are probably the two things that I notice most. Um, also fencing, but that's because I'm always like, wow, how long did it take to build that fence? <laughs> um, and then I think about what that would be like to make a fence on a farm. Um, yeah. Oh, do you have a question, Kate? Um, uh, silly
2: question, but is that his pet sheep? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, so um, this is Richard, who, who owned the farm that the beginning picture was at. The man is Yes, Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know the sheep's name. Um, yeah, so Richard um, was my favorite farmer. Um, and he was like this elderly man in his 80s who was like from England, and his wife um, was from like the Ukraine or something, and they had moved to New Zealand. And um, they had a bunch of sheep, but this sheep was like the sheep that just hung out with them. Um, yeah so I just I don't know we were like talking one day and then he just started like walking his sheep and I was like I need to take a picture of this it's the cutest thing I've ever seen
2: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: what do you think so many radical environmentalists are such secular people or even kind of anti-religion mm-hmm. and I don't mean just liberals like mm-hmm. Al Gore more like Edward Abbey or Derek Jensen John Cersan these types of people
1: mm-hmm this is only my personal opinion, which is not super, um, knowledgeable, but I think it's because, um, uh, so like Lynn White, um, wrote, oh, what's it called? Does someone?
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and in it, he kind of says like Christianity especially has just, Ruined the environment because of their conversation around dominion and, um, like, like using the earth, um, for their gain, um, huh? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think religion has gotten a bad rap because, um, because of a seeming focus on people, but not everything else Um, or like we are made in the image of God. Therefore we're the only thing that matters. Um, The earth was not made in God's image. So whatever we can just do whatever we want with it. Um, And so that to me is why I feel like oftentimes the environment and religion don't go hand in hand. I also think that, Um, politically, um, it seems like environmentalism is like a left leaning thing. And so people on the right can't care about the environment because then they might be labeled as like liberal or, um, and I don't, I don't know if that has something to do with like the religious aspect, but it also, um, yeah, it seems to have taken like a, this is the only space that that we can care about the environment. If you aren't religious, and if you are super left-leaning, um, otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Um, is hmm?
2: it's like you have to subscribe to the whole package? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's just my um, uninformed opinion. I
2: hope but. it's your opinion. It's
1: your lecture. <laughs> yes. Ooh. Anything else? cool well thank y'all for coming Mm -hmm. um (laughs)